Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today we speak about recovery and 12 steps once again. The response to the podcast last week with Bill B. was phenomenal. So today you'll hear again from him and take some steps together with him. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining me for this Bob's Your Uncle podcast, Season 1, Episode 9. Of note, the opinions are strictly my own and those of any of my guests. You can now find us and comment to us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple iTunes. This week we added Pandora, and the list goes on. We have a lot of topics to discuss. Even so, on the Bob's Your Uncle podcast, you are part of the show. We do want to see and hear you. Send us a message on Facebook or email a video to us on Instagram. In the weeks to come, we'll speak about Major League Baseball groundskeeping, country music, Poland and Ukraine, Jewish DNA tests, and so much more. Let's see where the spirit takes us. Historical Marker of the Week On this date in history, 26 April, in 1972, I was declared 4F by an army physician and thus prevented from serving my country in the army in Vietnam. Honestly, I wasn't disappointed. In 1986, an explosion and fire at the number 4 reactor of Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Ukraine resulted in a nuclear meltdown, sending radioactivity into the atmosphere. The radiation fallout spread throughout Europe. And that's the historical marker of the week. Amanda McGinnis is both my travel agent and the sponsor of this podcast, and it will help if you book your next trip with her, including hotel and flights and all things tourist. Good morning, Amanda. Let me ask, you just came back from an international trip. What surprised you, if anything? Well, believe it or not, after um, 20-something years traveling, I was very surprised, um, really with the difference between the busyness in the varying airports. So Sydney International was what I expected uh, with the amount of people and things open, but Auckland was not. Auckland was almost completely closed with the exception of two shops because they haven't been open at all. And then LA was just about completely back to normal. So it was really interesting just to see that the, the way that the world had reopened throughout the pandemic and how different countries were still managing it. What would you advise others to add or to not add to their trips ahead? This is also one that surprises me. Uh, For a number of years, I have never advised people to prepay for seat selection. I've always just thought it was a money grab. But because you can't do online check-in now because of all the documents required that physically have to be cited, I would actually suggest prepaying for seats if you're traveling with somebody else. As we actually had... um, 
my husband and my stepdaughter get separated from us because he wouldn't repay for the seats and I had recommended it and he had said no and they were split up so she was supposed to be in a separate row and we did get it all resolved but I think for the sake of potentially sometimes only $20 I would absolutely say to prepay for the seats. How can people directly reach you? Yep. So still the best way to get a hold of me is on my emails. It's amanda.mckinnis at travelpartners.com.au. And if you get my out of office, it's got my mobile number on there in case of emergency or urgent inquiries. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Every week we read from the number one bestseller of nonfiction, the Bible. Today we read from Revelation chapter 1. From Messiah Yeshua, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he's made us all to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today we welcome back to the podcast Bill B. Last week we began our interview with this fascinating man who spoke about recovery and the 12-step program. He had so much to say, we carried him over to today for part two of this two-part conversation. Recovery, somewhat of a nickname for a program, a series of thoughts, ideas, steps, and traditions began approximately 90 years ago by a pair of men, Bill W. and Dr. Bob. The authentic religion is in spirit and truth, and that's the water. And sometimes there's some structure for that, but it's ultimately it's got to be spirit and truth. And I it's, love that. Yeah. So for me... Um, so you started rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of um, friends that came back from Kansas City that would say, hey, um, come back home. Hmm. And a beautiful thing is, you know, my my brothers, uh, my, one of my brothers came out to visit me while I was in treatment. And then my dad drove all the way up to see me. And it was this... this he, and he told me something beautiful. I think this is... You know, I carried around a father wound. My dad was, my dad is still living. He's a wonderful man. And, um, but um, he never, when I was growing up, would say the words I love. He's very German. And uh, Well, it was the era. So you're born in the 60s. You're raised 60s and 70s. Yep. Real men don't, don't eat quiche. Exactly. Real men, <laughs> right. real men don't say I love you, son. Exactly. And so, uh, but he would do it by his, his, his actions. His love language was... He would do things. He would sacrifice so much for us. But I held on to that in my sickness. You know, I don't measure up. You know, I, you know he, he sometimes would say a little too, I'm disappointed in this. He, he wouldn't quite verbalize because his father had PTSD from World War One. was in the 89th. He was a, he was a doughboy. And his dad was uh, um, in the San Miguel offense. I did a little research. He died before I was born. But so I looked at my dad and he came all the way up to visit me. And I'll tell you some healing words he said. I'm listening. He said, Bill, I'm proud of you. Wow. I'm proud of you. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And to me, it's sort of like Jesus in the in his baptism where he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm the well father pleased. Said. Yes. To, to the world. To the world. Yo, you everybody. Are, you. See that boy? Yeah. That's my boy. And I'm proud of him. And he was saying that to me. You're my beloved. Oh, and that was my higher power speaking through my dad. So it was my dad saying that, but also my God saying that. You are my beloved. I'm really proud of you. That's a trigger exactly. to respond with gladness and thanksgiving. Exactly. And you know that part is, uh, 
that by going to my meetings and experiencing uh, one of the things that I had to get over was the me of all people kind of attitude. Me of all people. You know, I, I should have known better. I was raised well. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a bad job. Me of all people kind of attitude. And, but it taught me through the recovery program that the disease of addiction doesn't care about your, your, your occupation, doesn't care about my occupation, doesn't care about my race, gender, color, creed, whatever it is. Education, it's education economics, what exactly, part of the town you live in. Exactly. It's an equal opportunity destroyer. <laughs> That's a great so, phrase. And, uh, Addiction yeah. is always, I see it like uh, when God told Cain that sin is crouching at the door. Yeah. And I see it like a little nippy dog. Yeah. Uh, that's always trying to to knock you off your way. Um, and so for me, what's um, what you know the that little nippy dog what helps keep it silent, you know, is um, is to stay in the middle of the group, the pack. You know, it's a really addiction. People think of the addiction as the drinking or the drugging or the gambling or the pornography or whatever it may be whatever the, the soothing or the numbing of the feelings the person is, is, is using. But to me, um, recovery is connection, and addiction is isolation. And one of the most important things for me is to stay in my group, um, not to get on the fringes, not to be the leader, but also not to be the outsider, but to stay in the middle of the pack. That's one thing my sponsor taught me, just be Bill. And uh, one of the guys, just one of the guys, another bozo on the bus, just another sick guy trying to get better. That's it. (laughs) What advice would you give to some of my listeners who are listening and considering this as something of personal interest for them? Well, one of the things I would, if you can talk to a, if you get the opportunity to, to, to go to a meeting, the first thing I'd say is if you can get it. And if you know a friend that's been in recovery, to ask him to share his story with you. Hmm. You know, the therapeutic value of one alcoholic or one addict helping another is without parallel. And this is the key for me. Um, the whole paradigm shift in, in just even my, my, my sponsorship, my friendship, my um, relationships. When I was in the midst of my addiction, I was trying to prove myself how good I am, how good I am, please him. I built up this tremendous resume. I mean, it wasn't... It was a pretty impressive resume. I mean, really, I was like a workaholic too, and um, but that was all to hide the real vulnerable person, the the, the person behind the curtain, the, the really kind of that that frightened, scared child in some respects, that 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 frightened man that's behind that curtain, that um, the real person that said, "If you really know me, you will not love me." One of the things that's so beautiful is that uh, today what I've learned is that leading with my weakness, lead with my scars. So today I, when I meet with a sponsor, if I meet somebody uh, that I think needs to hear my story, um, maybe someone out there, maybe the story will help you. Um, basically, I want to, you know, first thing I do is I say, here's what happened to me. And here's what it was like living living in this personal hell on earth by isolated and alone on the appearance looks like oh i could be the life of the party i could be i could socialize do all those things but i didn't let anyone in that heart of my hearts and that's but today what i do is i I lead with my weakness 
and so here's what happens and then but I lead with my joy because I think this is like I said that model is uh, if the bread is broken it can be shared and I can share my brokenness my woundedness and that gives other people my first time I was a really a, a real sponsor I tried it before but the, the first young man I tried to sponsor didn't work well because I was trying to tell him about how great recovery is how great it is and all the good things of the 12 steps and the freedom happy joys and freedom you'll find and um probably to his blessing by by uh, by fate and by god's providence he had a, he had to move to ohio mm. and he got a different sponsor with much more maturity and much more uh, was his he story says, I, yeah he says i can feel safe now i can share i feel and so and isn't that what the experience yeah. strength and hope absolutely that you get in recovery is that it's a safe place i mean you go into a church or a synagogue yeah. you go into the kiwanis club and say Hi, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Bill. They they'd say, excuse me, that that's the other club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but in in an anonymous group, there's great freedom. Your shoulders Absolutely. drop, your arms extend in real love right. because you, like you say, lead with your weakness. Absolutely, you lead with your weakness. What's somebody going to do? Kick you? No, because they were down and they know. Oh, brother. Oh, sister. We're in this together. What's it like now? Um, I work with about six sponsees right now. I've been actively working with on, um, shared my story a number of times. I go to my, my recovery groups. Um, How often a week do you I, attend? Well, some generally, weeks are, so not yeah, generally, usually three. Okay. I still hit three. My sponsor himself, um, he's been, he's got 45 years of sobriety. They, they, they taught me, how do you find a sponsor? Just look for someone who has something you want. Look, AA has been used as a template by Narcotics Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, so many others. Yeah. Do you think Dr. Bob and Bill W. would have approved of their 12 steps being used by those programs? They would have been delighted. You know, the big book, as it's lovingly called, um, has has the doctor's story. Yeah. And it's a great story of how those two found each other. And, oh. and it's compelling. So if you're listening and you haven't read that, just Google AA, big book. Doctor's story. I think that would do it, and you'd Absolutely. get. Oh, it's a great read. I like the term celebration attached to recovery. Does everyone succeed who enters a recovery program? No, that's the the sad part. Is no, but nobody has failed that surrenders to the entire program. Anything else you want to tell? I, you you could probably talk for hours. Absolutely, about this. absolutely. And anybody who's involved in recovery. That's their story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is this is great. Is it like grape juice? It's I mean, I've had orange juice. Is it like orange juice? No, it's grape. Well, it, what's it like? It's similar, but no, it's not the same. Right. So when when you talk about celebration and recovery, you're talking about something that's real, that changed your life from the inside right. and that gave you the freedom to be you. Right. Right. Uh, I, I am hearing that comprehensively and I love this story is there anything else you'd want to tell the folks yeah just basically um, you know this is the the recovery community you've already touched on this too is when a person walks through the the door um, they are beat up and they are there it's usually pain and fear that gets a person in the rooms and usually it's not recovery that gets them in there it's usually just wanting the pain to stop or maybe wanting people to get off their back. And um, 
But I love there's a the, the community of NA Narcos Anonymous. They have this little saying too that's really beautiful. Is uh, the first thing they do in their their program AA. We used to shake hands and hold hands more, but NA is interesting. I've been to some of those meetings too, and uh, they will um, they give everyone a hug. It's like you walk in the room, like oh my gosh, you know, it's like what is it a cult, you know? <laughs> but they say this beautiful thing. They say you know, um, pain will get you in the room, but love will keep you coming back. Love will keep you coming back. Thanks so much, Bill. And next week. If you come back, we'll speak with Charlie Mitchell, raised in St. Louis, Missouri. All of Charlie's friends when he grew up were Jewish. He attended Washington University, probably about 40% Jewish in the day. He married a Jewish woman, but he was a Gentile, that is a non-Jew. Or was he? He was a professional cello player in Brazil and then a supervisor for a telecom. Wait until you hear his story unfold. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney. Mm-hmm.